We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking ranges of outcomes for 2022 on RotoViz Radio. What's up, RotoViz? Welcome to the Rudovis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. We are two of the owners here at Rudoviz.com, and we're going to talk about a tool. The tools are coming, Dave. All the <laughs> tools. No, it's like Dwight Shoot, you know, know your rules. All right. Rotoviz, you got to know your tools. And one of the <laughs> cool tools that we have at Rotoviz, one of the one of the ones that shapes my best ball draft portfolio every year. I just really love when this tool gets updated is the range of outcomes tool. And it is within the range of outcomes that somebody that works at Rotoviz or one of our subscribers will win big, big bucks using our range of outcomes tool. Um, and so Dave's going to run us through the running back position. Uh, we've got a couple of the positions updated on the site already. And I think after tonight, well, I guess it would be after this morning, when you're listening to this episode, potentially would be updated uh, for all of the notable fantasy positions. So make sure you go to rotaviz.com and check out our range of outcomes tool uh, to, to dive in for yourself and, and see behind the scenes what Dave and I are going to discuss tonight on the show. Dave, I'm going to kick it to you for our FFPC stat attack, which is range of outcomes related. That is right, Curtis. So one player that we are going to be talking about on this episode, who we touched upon last episode and is just coming up all the time for good reasons, is James Conner. Now, I was reviewing some of his advanced stats, and there were a couple of things that stood out to me that uh, I was not aware of that I just want to share with everybody here. So James Conner last year and right now, I am looking at running backs that recorded more than 100 rushing attempts last year. Uh, I am in the advanced stats explorer. I am looking currently at top running backs in yards after contact where James Conner is top six, 68% of his yards came after contact. Now, a large reason that he had to rack up significant yards after contact was he was actually hit at the line 49% of the time. 
which is more than any other player that you're going to see in the top 20 or top 20 or so when you sort on yards after contact percentage. That's pretty interesting. I will also point out of players that you see in this listing, he also had the second highest broken tackle percentage behind Javante Williams and actually comes in with a pretty competitive rate of number three overall of all running backs that had more than 100 rushing attempts. And then, of course, we all know that the only other player that was able to match him in terms of attempts per touchdown was Damian Harris last year as they each went for 13, uh, scored a touchdown every 13 carry, uh, every 13 rushing attempts. So that highlights some of the reasons why James Conner is so hard to make sense of as we head into 2022. We will be looking at his range of outcomes built via a completely objective process, which uh, I will hit upon in a little bit, but that is today's FFPC stat attack. Sorry, Curtis, did you have to say something there? Yeah, I, I just had a fun fact about James Conner that I okay. thought was you know, relevant to this conversation. He attended McDowell High School in Erie, Pennsylvania, Ryan McDowell, friend of the show. Just wanted to drop that fact on James Conner. Thought it was super important. I love it. I am going to hit that drop again, though, now, so that we get that proper segue. It was too early, man. Um, we did the stat attack, but then we didn't tell people to play. Yep. Okay. On FFPC. So go to myffpc.com and play their best ball tournament and their dynasty games, including our very own Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues. Now you can hit the drop. Third time's a charm. <laughs> Off to just a smashing start. Oh my lord! Episode. Okay, so uh, range of outcome, uh, range of outcomes tool uh, is is pretty cool because it it gives you some visualizations. Um, it's a way to back into some some uh, rankings and and thinking about um, upside and floor and and stuff that fantasy analysts at every site talk about, but this tool actually is, is a, you know, it's an intelligent way to, to approach it. Um, so Dave, why don't you just give us a little bit of the background on um, what the tool is um, kind of the math that goes into it. And then we've got four running backs we want to hit in this episode. Sure. And, and I apologize to everybody out there that's listened to uh, the podcast for a number of years or that's read the site, but it's always important that I back up and explain this because if it's a, New visitor to the site, new listener, it might not make sense. But basically, um, I did some math to find at the running back position um, stats that will carry year over year, but then also help you uh, predict, if you will, a player or how a player is likely to do in the next season. That That's not exactly it. But basically, what I'm doing is finding ways that you can look at a player's stats from uh, a previous season, match it with other players that produce similarly at those stats that matter and do carry year over year, and then build a listing of those players and then see how those players did in the season that occurred after that match to get a sense of what we could realistically expect from a player in the coming year. So said differently, I take James Connors stats from 2022, my code, um, gets the stats that uh, we care about that I've back tested to prove that those are the best way of trying to create that group of comps 
to project for I, I'm struggling tonight, man, to explain this. Um sorry, man. So yeah, behind the scenes, this is the second episode in a row that we talked about. And we we're also <laughs> talking about whether or not Dave should pursue his MBA uh, yeah. <laughs> before, before the pod. So we've been we've been everywhere. Yep. We're a little punchy, if you can't tell. But um, you know, what for for me, maybe in the practical application sense, what I really like about it is it shows us in PPR and half PPR and standard. Um, if we if we're to draft a player, you know, maybe what would their 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 worst real assuming health, what would their worst realistic uh, range of outcomes look like? What would their median range yep. of outcome look like? And then what would their smash scenario look like? Right, and that's um, being done yeah. by finding players that had seasons similar to James Connor's season, yeah. looking at where they were in their career and then seeing how they did the following season. You don't need to worry really about the math. Just trust that, you know, we've done some back testing to know that what we're looking at are the things for an exercise like this you would want to look at. Uh, and one final thing I'll say there, uh, it's pretty interesting with the running back position because you really don't look at any of the rate stats. Um, because it's, you know, it's a position that's so heavily driven by the team that you happen to be on and the opportunity that you get yeah. that the rate stats don't matter that much. All right. That's probably enough of a primer, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about uh, a, a great back to begin this exercise is Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, he he is once again um, kind of a, a hot button player. Um, I mean, going so much earlier at this point in the season than he, than he was last year. Uh, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, he, he really did a nice job with the, the role that he was given in terms of converting those opportunities to fantasy points. Um, very involved as, as a receiver, uh, missed a couple games, but you know, I mean, when he's out there, he was helping your team win each week. So um, what does the range of outcomes tool see uh, in his crystal ball formula for Leonard Fournette 2022? Yeah. So Leonard Fournette projects, as a top 10 running back in 2022. A quick review of his 2021 per game stat line here for some of the uh, pieces that people might be interested in. About 13 rushing attempts per game, 58 rushing yards, 0.6 rushing touchdowns, but saw almost six targets a game, which translated into five receptions, an additional 32 yards, and actually averaged 18.2 PPR points. <laughs> so that's a pretty impressive stat line. Um, his comps actually saw 13.6 attempts in their subsequent season. Rushing yards held steady at 58, a slight drop to a half a touchdown per game. Now targets are for targets come out at 3.7. I will say that you don't see a lot of running backs that get into that six target per game. Um, range when you're going back to I went back to 2012 in this sample um so that that's why you see a little bit of a decrease in targets um and then receptions coming out to around three a game 22 yards 0.1 receiving touchdowns dropped him down to an average of 14.4 PPR points per game and if you're curious the type of players that he matches to you have 2013 no sean moreno that was his fifth year 2019 Kenyon drake uh 2015 mark ingram fred jackson season uh year six of david johnson year six of demarco murray year five of joik bell another mark ingram season year five of melvin gordon year eight of 
Jamar Charles. Mm-hmm. So that's actually, Curtis, kind of like a mixed bag of players when I look at it. Um, but if I take a step back, that number of around 14 points per game actually feels uh, kind of okay to me. And then the other thing, when I say okay, that that kind of feels like it matches with what my intuition would have been. Then the other thing that I really like about the tool here and that helps me out is after you've gone through and you've done the math and you know, like I've got my results, I can then graph them into a distribution that lets you look and mm-hmm. see where most of that player's matches come from, where they're most heavily concentrated. And the highest number of his matches come between around 15 to like 18 fantasy points per game, which is another good way to view the range of outcomes. And then if we cut off, uh, if we use the 25th and 75th percentile as his low and high, uh, he has a low of around 13.2 and a high of around 20.7, which then I put into a score called a historical distribution score, which gives players um, bonus points, if you will, for having players that produced very high point totals and penalizes them for having matches that produce very low point totals. And it kind of in one number can give you an idea of the distribution that 129 puts him in the top 10. I just threw a ton of information out there. I'm going to take a step back in case you know there, you have any comments and there might be natural questions that come off of everything I just said. Um, I, I think the most notable thing for me is I would project, you know, after the the drafting of Rashad White and the re-signing of Giovanni Bernard, you know, I, I know that the team likes to keep Leonard Fournette on the field. It's one thing that Brady uh, has, has mentioned several times that, you know, you trust him to be out there um, and the offense does not have to tip its hand, you know, if they just keep the same back. So, I mean, I, I get it. But now I think on that roster, you have two guys who are just so clearly better mm-hmm. uh, at, at, you know, creating something after the catch versus uh, Fournette. And so, you know, I don't really mind projecting him in that three and a half to four targets per game area, because, you know, if he were to miss time and either one of those other backs did assert himself in the receiving game, you know, I think you would see a scenario where Fournette maybe wouldn't get, you know, at least the four minute, the two minute drill type stuff. You know, he might still be a little bit game script proof for the majority of the game, but, but I think, you know, maybe there's, there's some risk in in the actual change of pace role uh, with the other talents that are on the team. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because Lenny's the type of player that Rotoviz would typically be out on. He's an aging running back. Uh, you know, he's probably due for some touchdown regression um, in a bad way. Um, it's good to have an objective way of grading him. Um, and so I, I appreciate that this tool, you know, values him as a, an RB one this season because he's, he's not going to be a total fade uh, for me, you know, based off of this, you know, and I think, you know, I, I like him better than Nick Chubb. I like him better than Alvin Kamara because of the, the relative risks, you know, with those players, the suspension for Kamara, you know, Chubb, we already know is not going to get the receiving work and, you know, Fournette has shown that he, that he could, he could have it again. Um, I know I just made a case for why he might not blow it up again in that category, but I mean, everyone's taking Fournette over Chubb in terms of receiving 
uh, total receiving opportunity this coming year. So yeah, I think that that's really the, it's a cross check on players that, you know, you're super high on, you know, like last year I was just draft gobbling up Cooper cup in every single draft. And, you know, this tool can, it confirmed for me yep. that, you know, I should have been in on him. Um, and, you know, I think this is a good signal here for Leonard Fournette that, you know, perhaps we ought to just take him when he's a value. Yeah. And, and uh, a couple of quick points that I forgot to add. Uh, so it's actually looking back two years, it's weighting the most recent season more heavily um, than two seasons ago. Of course, in the case of rookies, it's only going to look back one. Uh, I forget the exact weightings I arrived at, but that that's all been kind of sorted out. But the reason that's also interesting and useful is because in the case of Cooper Cup, it was even on him the season prior. So like there was mm-hmm. some signal there that at some point, you know, a blow up could happen. And it did. And now keep in mind, this is objective. So like in the case of Fournette, it doesn't know that there was a change in his team situation. It doesn't know that the backs around him have changed. However, though, from incorporating that level of experience, it can kind of ascertain that he might be at a point where, you know, you're not going to see him being the entire focal point of that offense as a lot of those players that he got matched with were at the point where they were no longer the only back getting used in their offense. All right, let's let's cut over to a player we've already talked a little bit about uh, at the top of the episode. Let's transition over to James Conner. And, you know, tell me about what you're seeing in his sample of comp players. Yeah, so his comp players... Um, our guys like Latavius Murray, a couple of Mark Ingram seasons, 2019 Melvin Gordon, uh, 2013 Noshaw Moreno, Ahmad Bradshaw, 2019 Aaron Jones, 2017 Devonta Freeman, 2015 Lamar Miller, and 2019 Todd Gurley. I don't think it should come as any surprise that all of those players scored a ton of touchdowns. James Conner last year averaged one rushing touchdown per game on 13.4 attempts really did most of his damage via those touchdowns, only putting up 50 yards per game. So what do we see happen with that 1.0, um, touch rushing touchdowns per game? And I'll point out, I read the top 10, the tool does take the 50 best matches. So James Connor, it projects just a half of a touchdown per game, which is still an aggressive rate but we do see that there's that significant drop off in touchdowns. So his workload is expected to hold flat around 13.5 attempts per game, 58 yards, a slight uptick in yards targets at three point one per game. So around maybe two and a half receptions per game. But when you put this together, we see a fall from 16.4 PPR in his 2021 average stat line to around 13.6 a low of 10.6, a high of 16.8 in a historical distribution score that puts him much more into that RB2 category uh, than an RB1. And if you look at that distribution, you'll see that we have just a handful of players um, moving past 20 points per game and really um, you know, not that many beyond 17. His highest concentration does come between 15 and 17, but more than half of the distribution falls below 15. So it's a pretty mixed bag for James Conner, but we can clearly see that players that did have that ridiculous touchdown type of season, like he did 
do have to regress and there's something there. Does this preclude James Conner from having a decent season? No, still looks like he's in that range where he could be pretty good, but it does not paint a very solid picture for people hoping to once again find a, you know, an RB1 in Conner. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah. One thing that uh, I like about the tool that we hadn't talked about, the year over year change yep. um, visualization where you can see actually for all 50 of the players in the sample, what was the N plus one or the next year uh, fantasy point per game change 18 of the players in his 50 player in his 50 match sample scored five points or more. I guess uh, that's it's a weird English language thing. Scored five or more fewer points per game, um, than, than James Conner right. in, in the sample. So, yeah, so I mean, that that is that's a little disturbing. That that feels disturbingly high. Um, you know, you, you definitely would expect for most of the players to project for fewer points, you know, the year after a year like James Conner had. Yeah. So it doesn't bother me that, that 40 of the 50 players scored less points the next year. What bothers me is that 18 of them scored five, uh, five points uh, more uh, or five points less or, or more per yeah. game uh, than he did. I mean, I'm going to struggle with that one. Um, you know, the other thing for Connor too, that, that I kind of like, you know, even situationally, the drop in touchdowns makes sense. Kyler Murray wasn't running around as much because of his injury issues last year. Um, you know, the team has added some other offensive weapons that, you know, you would think they would score maybe a couple long, long touchdowns this year um, that, that they 
maybe would have scored on grinded out type drives last year. You know, the addition of Hollywood Brown, uh, the previous rapport that he and Murray had and the deep passing attack acumen um, that Murray has displayed really since coming into the league. I mean, I think that's a match made in heaven. And then, you know, once Hopkins comes back, you know, you could see a situation where, uh, you know, Murray is, is scoring more of the touchdowns for, for this team. Uh, with his arm than, than either of those players, uh, do with their legs. So I think even the situational analysis, um, kind of lines up with that 50% reductions in touchdowns per game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, it's funny, Blair and I end up talking every year about how sobering looking at that year over year change graph can be. <laughs> yeah. Because even for players that were like RB2s and stuff, you're still going to see that drop off. And really what it comes back to is that being very good in fantasy is a hard thing for players to do year over year. That's why we only see a handful of guys with sustained success. Um, this tool, I would say, is calling James Conner a little overdrafted. Um you know, he, he's the RB 16 in, in PPR. Um, you know, you're, you're having to invest, you know, that, that two, three turn type pick or, you know, an early third in him, uh, to, to, to get him on your roster right now. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll see that ADP cool as more people, you know, kind of get turned on to, to what the tool provides here. We're going to talk about another a player who scored a lot of touchdowns in his career. Um, but you know, another player also who's, you know, offense is, undergoing some pretty big changes year over year. And it's Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. And before I talk about Zeke, I do want to tease because Zeke makes me think about it. There's a player at another position that people are starting to get worried that he might be at the point where he's going to fall off. And what we do see is the tool has picked up that this is the year that things flip and he kind of falls and gets replaced by other players in the elite ranks. So that that's my teaser. But talking about Elliott. Uh, oh, boy. Last year, 13, an average stat line around 13.7 rushing attempts, 57 yards, uh, 0.6 touchdowns, almost four targets per game, so three receptions, and around 15 PPR points. The type of players that he matches to are 2020 Melvin Gordon, 2016 Mark Ingram, 2017 Devonta Freeman, 2016 Matt Forte, 2013 Ahmad Bradshaw, 2013 Fred Jackson, 2013 Noshaw Moreno, 2017 Mark Ingram, 2019 Melvin Gordon, 2014 Jamal Charles. That was year seven. I maybe should have read the experience years, but the thing that I kind of note from now having been very invested in playing fantasy for a long time, these are kind of some of the seasons where we saw that pretty big step back. And that is reflected when you look at how those players did in the subsequent season. We do see that touchdown number coming down. We see rushing attempts falling by about a whole Mm. rushing attempt. Um, Rushing yards only drops by four. But when you put the whole piece of the puzzle together, you have Elliott dropping down to an average of 12.7 with a low of 9.5 and a high of just 15.9, an HDS of 71, which moves him into a very different range than Ezekiel Elliott drafters are used to. And if you look at his distribution, it's actually very sobering because you only have just a handful of players even scoring above 15 and his largest distribution Curtis actually comes right between around eight and a half and 10 and a half points per game. So it thinks that we are looking at a very different Zeke Elliott this year than uh fantasy gamers are used to. 
Yeah, uh, the the tool is confirming, but uh, the, the tool is confirming the early ADP on on Zeke. Um, so you know it's it's useful in that regard. Um, looking at some, it is you know I think it is interesting to to look at the names that show up above Zeke uh, in the tool and also in, in ADP uh, at this point in the draft process because you know I, I feel like a lot of times we find out after fantasy drafts that a player was cooked, you know, like yep. we continue to draft him at that, uh, you know, that, that high ADP, you know, spending that second round thinking, you know, pick on him, thinking that, that it's you know, one more year, one more year. And we find out the hard way. Then I, and I think, you know, the ADP being where it is, is illustrative of, of, you know, how much harder it is to find edges in fantasy. I mean, you know, when you got sites like Rotoviz and, and and many of our you know sites that you know we're friendly with out there doing this good analytic work and people drafting in huge volume now uh, and and playing best ball thinking and you know best ball automatically lends itself to the discussion about range of outcomes mm-hmm. um, and and so I I think it you know Zeke Elliott feels like a player that we would have forever been trapped on you know, five, seven, 10 years ago in fantasy, but, you know, people are, people are erring on adjusting early on him. And so I think that's, you know, that's refreshing, smart drafters. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's the interesting thing. Like some of the major takeaways that people could have had from our tools like this a couple of years ago, you're right. People are kind of ahead of now, but the thing that I do like is if you go in and you play around with this, it's going to prevent you from getting overzealous when you see some of these names and you see that they're falling and you keep going to the well on them and all of the drafts that you're in, because what a value it is to have Ezekiel Elliott around, you know, at running back 20 or whatever. So helps you avoid those traps. Well, a, a player that's at a different point in his career, but also has kind of a, maybe a sobering outlook based off of what happened in, in free agency is Javante Williams. Now Javante Williams, I mean, he's still pretty beloved in, in dynasty circles and it's hard, you know, hard not to love the talent, but the 2022 outlook, you know, changed a lot when the team resigned Melvin Gordon. So uh, I'm really interested to see what you've got for us on Williams. Yeah, well, I'll start off by just reading down some of the matches. Now, most of these players are from year one or two. You have guys like Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, TJ Yeldon, Brandon Oliver. You actually have Tevin Coleman's uh, year four, which is kind of interesting. Matt Breida's year two, Dalvin Cook's year two. Stop there for a second. Yep. This is already already really important because none of those are the names that you would have expected to hear based yep. off of the excitement for Javante Williams, even post Melvin Gordon signing. Yep. Um, so we're going to say that again, Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, TJ Yeldon, Brandon Oliver, and Tevin year four, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda uh, year two. Like that is a very, very concerning top six. Now go down a little bit further and we'll, we'll find some names that we like, yep. but maybe not the seasons by those players that we like. Right. So you got Dalvin cook is year two, carry on Johnson year one, Lamar Miller year six. That's a re- weird one to make in, but Clyde Edwards, a his year one. Um, that definitely kind of makes sense. Now, one thing that somebody could say is, well, for younger players, maybe should you adjust, adjust for 
draft position. But remember, Williams wasn't a round one type of player like Edwards Allaire was. So I'm not sure that that argument would really hold in this case. And I'm not sure that you would really get that many different results, even if we did adjust for draft position here. Um, yeah, and you've still got plenty of other day two guys. I mean, Singletary, yep. uh, exactly. Yeldon, Sanders, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, Carrion Johnson. Right. I mean, I think it's a fair right. sample. Which brings me to why this is super important. As we have talked about ad nauseum here, if a player doesn't hit in a tremendous way year one, the chances of him hitting ever have gone down tremendously. Now, we really like Javante Williams, but when you look at this grouping of players and you look at what they did the season after, they produce a stat line of just 11.5 rushing attempts per game, only 47 yards, very troubling. They hold at 0.2 rushing touchdowns per game, see just three targets, and produce an average PPR score of just 10.9 with a low of 7.3, a high of 14.1 and a pretty weak historical distribution score. Then if you actually go in and you plot um, that distribution, which I'm trying to do here, but Henry, the cat is sitting on my keyboard, which is making this more difficult than it needs to be uh, uh, players above 15. You really don't have that many and you actually have his highest distribution tied at one point between around seven and eight and a half. You have nine matches there. You also have nine matches going around 12 to 13 and a half. But the key takeaway here is this is not what you would expect for a player like Javante Williams. The tool doesn't account for any changes in the team, but there really hasn't been changes in the team with Melvin Gordon returning. Now, I do think that if you're somebody that believes in Javante Williams, maybe you could fade this to some degree, but it is very interesting to see this tool putting Javante Williams in with that grouping of players um, and in with a type of season that a lot of people are afraid could happen now that Gordon does return to Denver. I mean, the median projection for uh, Javante Williams in the range of outcomes run here is... RB 28. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that just, that takes a second here. You know, that's his median range outcomes. I'm going to rerun it for, for the high and see what that gets us. Still not in the top 20. I'm clicking through the pages here. Yep. I'm on, I'm on page. His, his high, dis, his high, if everyone in the, if all running backs hit their high end range of outcome, Javante Williams would be our RB 30. Right. Now, obviously, so, yeah, in the, real life, yeah. his his upside is a little bit different. Um, well, sure, yeah, I mean, but, but it but is for everybody, is, right? Yeah, yeah there, yeah. You, I mean, you can't pick and choose. Right. Um, that's not the point of the tool; is not to pick and choose. It's to look at to look at every player in that historical distribution uh, sample and and look at look at the low, median, and the high. And I mean, Javante, if nothing else, it's a little bit of a warning sign that you know, perhaps year two is not the year that it will occur for Javante Williams. And then situationally, you know, again, that's the fun thing to do. Situationally, um, the team should be more pass oriented with the transition to Russell Wilson. 
Russell Wilson has never really been one to pepper his running backs with a bunch of targets over a long, you know, a long career sample at this point. Um, and, you know, as exciting as Williams is, you know, Gordon has proven very, very reliable in all aspects of the game. I mean, his efficiency metrics aren't necessarily anything to write home about at this point, but he keeps getting contracts because, you know, he does, he does everything. He's still doing things at a, a plus NFL level from a, from a coaching perspective. I mean, he can play any package um, and he's always been good at scoring touchdowns. So, you know, just in real football terms, you know, I, it is concerning. So I, I think, Jav- I mean, Javante Williams will, he will definitely need a Melvin Gordon injury. If, if what this tool is showing us, he's going to need a Melvin Gordon injury to really supercharge his outcome this year. For sure. I mean, we're not looking at a player that you can easily project for volume of 18 rushing attempts. No way. Three targets, no way. which is the type of range that you're normally looking for, for a player, um, you know, that many think could be the breakout running back heading into the year. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to, I think you kind of have to like readjust and you kind of have to look at him like Josh Jacobs, but people are looking at him like, he's going to be Dalvin cook or something. Right. And as you, you know, said, I, I, it's not just because Melvin Gordon's back. It's because of everything that has happened there. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, the it's, it's day one of running backs being available in the range of outcomes tool. It's, <laughs> it's already got my wheels spinning here um, and, and gears churning. So can't, can't wait to really get into the depths of the position, see what some of those high end outcomes look like for, you know, players that are going to end up on like Sean's zero B countdown, you know, articles that are going to be coming later this summer, my must draft RB series. Those two articles in combination have won lots and lots of money for people over the past couple of years. And, you know, this tool is one way that we can land upon some of those, uh, those, those uh, players. So I, I'm sure that we will hit some of the other positions in the coming weeks. Um, and this may be a tool that we can even lean on Dave. You know, I know we're going to want to get back into another best ball draft together probably yep. next week on one of the shows. And, you know, so maybe we can focus in on that, you know, ADP beyond round 10, find some players that the tool likes with the, the high end distribution. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.